Welcome to the IBSI Views podcast. This is Gaia Lamperti, and today we're joined by Ali Hussein, Chairman of Association of Fintech in Kenya, Executive Board Member of Africa Fintech Network, and Co-Founder and CEO of Kipochi. Hi, Ali. Hi, Gaia. I am so happy to be a guest in your podcast today. Looking forward to this conversation. Amazing, Ali. I'm so glad you're on the podcast as well. And yes, looking forward to our conversation today because it's going to focus on the payments vertical in the African continent. So you are definitely the expert on the subject because I'd like to start with the spree of funding rounds in the sector across the continent that we've been seeing during the last few months. You know, why is this happening? And what are some of the companies who have been performing the best? Exciting times for fintech in Africa and uh, tech in general. 2021 ended with close to $5 billion of funding across Africa with the bulk of funding going to Nigeria in general, and probably slightly over 50% going into fintech. So obviously, fintech is a big, big conversation right now. To the extent people are asking whether we are in a tulip mania kind of situation. So if history sounds me right, the tulip mania edge in the Netherlands in the 1600s was about three, four years. So if this is tulip mania, then we are seeing the early days of fintech mania in Africa. However, indications are this we are just starting to scratch the surface. And if we look at the core statistics around fintech and financial services in Africa, you will start seeing where I'm coming from. Number one, if you look at internet connectivity across Africa, we are just sitting around 35%. So besides, you know, tech in general, there is going to be lots of investments and lots of money coming in to deal with internet infrastructure or ICT infrastructure as a whole. And big players across the continent are investing humongous amounts of money in data centers, in, uh, you know, piping for the internet and stuff. Now, if we now come to the fintech space, we are seeing the birth of several unicorns across, across Africa. Flutterwave comes to mind with a $3 billion valuation in the last couple of weeks uh, when there is another $250 million. A couple of months ago, Cheaper Cash raised $170 million with a valuation of over a billion. We then have the older fintechs like Interswitch that were valued at a billion dollars with a $200 million investment by Visa, I think about one and a half to two years ago. And the list goes on and on. Then we have fintechs like the Kenyan startup, I'm not sure that's a startup anymore because it's 17 years old, Cellulant, which is now, Tim Davis calls it, uh, he's coined a new word called Sunicon, soon to be unicorn. So Cellulant, in my humble opinion, Cellulant probably is quite undervalued. So in Africa today, I think we're living in that era. Some would say it's a bubble, some would say Look, this is just the beginning of serious growth. But let's look at mobile money, for example. Africa is 1.3 billion people across the continent. Less than 300 million Africans have mobile money or use mobile money on a regular basis. So you can see the potential to do. 
think we are in very early days, first innings. If you follow cricket, you know what I mean. We are basically in the first inning. And yet there's so much money from an African perspective being poured into the tech space that some people are wondering whether we are in a bubble situation. While you were talking, I could not stop but think of the immense cash-based economy that still lives on across the continent. So personally, do you believe that the paytech is going to basically overcome the use of cash or that we will have to come to a sort of balance between the two of them? What should we expect? Maybe let's look at certain interventions across the world. So if you look at the US payments, card-based payments, the US and Europe card-based payments, are very prevalent. But that he has also got to have something to do with some regulatory and policy intervention. And we are going to have to see the same thing in Africa. We are going to see some interventions by regulators and policy to drive more digital money across the continent. Mobile money is the beginning, but as we move forward, we are seeing the CBDCs, central bank digital currencies coming into play. Nigeria has already launched one. Uh, the E-Naira. Everybody's watching how the E-Naira will go. The Central Bank of Kenya has already issued what they call a discussion paper around a CBDC for Kenya. Now, why is this important? Um, this is important on a number of uh, uh, platforms. Number one, mobile money is still expensive, as I have said. I wouldn't like to go into detail because I don't think we have enough time for that. However, transaction value for money transaction for money transfers or payments uh, across Africa is still expensive. So probably the CBDCs will address that. Probably not sure. That's one. Two CBDCs are central banks' answer to cryptocurrencies. And I keep on saying that it may be an answer from a policy and regulatory perspective, but these two are not comparable. We need to appreciate and understand the fundamentals of crypto is decentralized. The fundamentals of CBDC is centralized. So apples and oranges, yeah. Let, let us be clear from day one, right? So every central banker is now talking about CBDCs because of the impact of not just cryptocurrencies, but the impact of, you know, digital money across the board. And I think one of the key pushes toward this new conversation between the markets and the central bankers has been COVID. A friend of mine, uh, Moses, he's called Moses Kamibaro, he's also in the text press like myself, coined this term, COVID, COVID-assisted digital transformation. In Kenya, for example, we saw a huge spike in digital transactions because the Central Bank of Kenya intervened and said we will zero rate up to a certain period mobile money transactions. And bank to mobile money transactions. So we saw a major spike in transactions. These two key components have seen the growth of mobile money and the growth of digital money transactions. The question now we must ask ourselves, what is the sustainable way of growing this? Because using private capital as a tool for regulation uh, is a no-no for the long term. For the short term, during COVID, that was possibly something that uh, was understandable and was akin to governments taking over industry during periods 
of strife during periods of war. Now that we are coming out of COVID or coming to appreciate that we shall live with COVID for this foreseeable future, what are the strategies going for? Now, those we shall be waiting for the policymakers and regulators across Africa. One of the most interesting ones is the Pan-African Payment Platform Pass, which is going to be a very interesting thing to be watching in the near future. Who comes into that platform? How does the African free trade zone push this conversation to become something that is now integrated individually into the national payment systems across Africa? So interesting and such a valid point. I mean, COVID completely changed the conversation. And as you said, it was the spark for so much innovation starting in the continent, which then spread across, as you mentioned, the mobile money, for example. And so we already mentioned clearly the government's push towards fintech innovation and more regulation. We mentioned a couple of like remarkable funding rounds and investments, which really demonstrates that the world's eyes are on Africa right now when it comes to the fintech sector. And this is definitely positive, but has also created some phenomenons which are quite controversial, like so much funding going into the hands of white funders in the continent. I know you have some feelings around the matter, Ali. So I would be interested to learn more about your views and what the community, especially the local community, is feeling. So, okay, so across Africa, the local communities are like kind saying this is another form of discrimination, another form of colonialism, and another form of blah, 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 blah. Look, what I'm about to say is probably controversial. It's not something that uh, is accepted mainstream across Africa, but I'm going to say it anyway. So let me start by saying money is racist and money is tribal. And what do I mean by this? The fact of the matter is that there are so many startups across Africa, like any other parts of the world, that needs funding. Part of the matter is that I'm more likely, if I have two startups that have the same potential to grow, I'm more likely to fund the startup that I align with the founders or part of the founders from a cultural perspective. We have African startups owned and started by African founders, African indigenous founders. And then we have startups that are African-based and are not necessarily African. And in any case, we are also seeing more and more, even the African-founded indigenous startups are being asked to domicile their startups in places like Jersey, in places like Delaware. So ultimately, the bigger question we should be asking ourselves is where is the money coming from? And what are African investors, high net worth individuals, corporate across Africa and governments, what role are they playing in funding African startups? What is it that foreign investors see in African startups or African-based startups that African investors are not seeing? Those are the fundamental questions we should be asking ourselves. Instead of us continuing to cry for talk about things that we really have no control about. How about putting in place policies to ensure that we start reversing this conversation? So let me give you an example. In Kenya, we have the National Social Security Fund, NSSF, which every Kenyan who's working, and even now some who are not working, are making contributions into this public pension fund. If we 
pass legislation and say 1% every year of the National Social Security Fund will go into funding Kenyan startups. 1%. We're talking about $200 million every year. Kenyan startups. Period. Not Kenyan-based startup. Kenyan startup. That's $200 million every year. Now you tell me, my dear sister, whether those conversations that we are wasting so much energy about are not putting in place policies to counter. Tell me whether those conversations will die or not. You will have more Kenyan-born startup as opposed to Kenyan-based startup getting funding. So I think this conversation around startup funding needs to be turned on its head. And we need to see interventions across the board, high net worth individuals, corporates, and governments across Africa starting to play a major part in this uh, tech ecosystem of ours. That's a fresh perspective. Definitely, as you were mentioning, the example of Kenya, that would be a way for the country to fund itself, its own growth and innovation in the startup yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. So it's quite an interesting yeah. point of view. Uh, to conclude, maybe we could have a look at what the future will be like in your opinion. So we talked about cryptocurrencies, in particular CBDCs. We mentioned how the vertical is growing at a stellar speed. So what are some of the opportunities that this opens up for the continent at large, but globally as well, because so many new corridors have been created recently? So let me let me deal with the cryptocurrency conversation step by step. Number one, Africa has one of the largest cryptocurrency communities across the world per capita. It's shocking how much Africans have moved into the cryptocurrency space. So if you look at Binance, for example, which is the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world, it has a huge presence in Africa. And it has managed to, on their P2P platform, it has managed to allow Africans to trade on cryptos so easily. It has one of the most amazing user experiences that you can find in any financial services platform. That's one. That's opening up a lot of opportunities for distributed finance. And as you can imagine, distributed finance is bringing finance down to Main Street. Everyone and his grandmother now can play in the global financial services space at a click of the button. Now, that is absolutely democratized. Last but not least in this space, you're talking about remittances. Now, remittances in, is huge in Africa. However, the cost of remittances, cross-border remittances in Africa is completely prohibited. It has one of the highest, if not the highest, costs for remittances across the world. An average of between 11 to 12 percent. So if you are sending a hundred dollars, it's costing you between 11 to 12 dollars. When, when it comes to the traditional way of remitting money cross-border. Blockchain technologies, crypto is cutting those costs to a bare minimum. So you can imagine the opportunities. Now, I had the opportunity to look at one of the newest crypto startups in this region called Swery. Please remember that name. It's going to be a very interesting one. And one of the things that I loved about Swery is that they created this new way of lending and trading on cryptos, which they call SACL. So SACLs are a very traditional African way of raising money among friends, among groups. 
So they've taken that model into the crypto space. I think that's going to be a very interesting conversation to have. So interesting times as far as crypto is concerned across Africa. We are seeing a lot of um, headwind when it comes to regulation, but we are also seeing the resilience of the African financial services player who is saying central bankers work with us. Not everything that you don't control is necessarily bad. That bottom line is the feedback from the market. As we like to say in Kenya, we took a ground in a different, which simply means things on the ground are very different to what we think about in our offices, whether it's a government office or whether it's a private office. I'm really looking forward to continuously having this conversation with you, Gaia. Fantastic conclusion. Thank you so much for the insights. And oh, before I let you go, I know that you also recently launched a podcast. So what is that Absolutely. about? Would you like to tell us a bit more? Yeah. Yes, super, super exciting times for me. This is um, an interesting chapter in, in my professional life. I have just launched Ali Talks. Ali Talks Tech is really about telling the African story from the early days of, you know, in the late 90s to today, how, how we evolved, how the players across Africa, how the pioneers led a great foundation for the tech entrepreneurs of today to really step on the shoulders of these giants. Well, best of luck with that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really excited. Thanks, Gaia.